everyone. Welcome to the Bitter Gallery podcast, episode 11. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Wexford-based artist John Busher. Uh, we cover his studio practice and his curatorial practice and chat a good bit about his paintings and just kind of painting in general. Um, I just want to say that when we were recording, we had a few uh, hiccups with the Wi-Fi and I think I kind of have it edited together okay. Just it, it What happened when we were recording was sections of it went silent. So like near the end, there's one bit where I just mentioned to John that maybe we could record, re-record the introduction again because I lost most of it the first time around. But as it turns out, Zencaster had continued recording. So the only problem that I had was the recordings had gone out of sync. So it was just to line them up. I think it's lined up fairly okay, hopefully. I know my editing skills are fairly limited, but I hope it sounds fairly all right. But uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks a million to John as well for taking the time to chat with me. And I hope you enjoy the podcast and I will be back at the end. It's going there now. Um, So welcome to the podcast, John. And thanks a million for taking the time to chat with me as well today. Uh, Just to kick things off, if you'd like to introduce yourself and just tell us a bit about how you got started working in art. Yeah, um, I guess, I mean, that sounds very much a cliche, but um, I guess art was kind of always part of my life, even from from a very young age. Um, But uh, I studied, I went straight from school into NCAD, so I studied in NCAD for four years and um, came out of NCAD and um, then kind of balanced my practice between lots of different things like my fine art practice, design practice and, and education practice. So I went back and studied um, as an, in education in about 2008 and I kind of balanced between those two, the education practice and fine art practice for a number of years and went back to study um, for my master's in 2013 and finished up in 2015. So s- since then I've been kind of pretty much focus full-time on my practice um but obviously to support my practice facilitating as well um and recently i've uh, completed the terps correspondence course that was in 2018 2019 and um that's kind of brought me up to this point um but my practice would be uh painting print and and drawing they would form a, a large part of my practice um Printmaking, I guess, uh, monotype. Um, I've recently just started to make monotype, but prior to that, it was mostly in woodblock and etching. So it was the kind of the graphic arts, you could say, that that kind of that was my my first interest, and it's, it's more or less still is. It kind of feeds into my practice quite a lot, um, and obviously then painting. So it's trying to where I'm at, or the, the last number of years, trying to kind of find the balance between the I guess the the print practice and the painting so, so it's kind of a, a meeting of those two yeah and what kind of themes do feature in your work then John figurative I, I'd work figuratively um, but a lot of the time they're drawn from from different sources they're drawn from like everyday sources so for example my my last show um, in the complex it, it's a very kind of slow process of kind of building up of, of the work over, it could be over a couple of months, in, in some cases over a year or two. So there's lots of kind of sources enter the work. It's it's mostly figures, um, but I'm mostly interested in the body and how the body kind of in, in particular spaces, like in social spaces, 
um, and also on the senses um, as kind of a perceptual thing that I'm interested in. And often these would, I mean, they appear as in some cases like they're like barriers. So could be anything, say, for I'm interested in the idea of kind of looking through, so whether it be like a window, say an alleyway or a lane or so these are kind of like things that kind of feed into it. And then um, over a period of time, like figures start to kind of emerge in, in, in the work. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of just kind of drift in and out. They're kind of like, in, I'd see them in kind of a, a no man's land, these figures. Um, so the, yeah, I guess that, that would um, kind of cover that. Yeah. Um, no, just like, just I would have seen some of the shots there from the complex and that on uh your website like and like just just great use of color in your work as well yeah i um i I've tried to from prior to that my show in in palace projects I've played around with scale and one or two paintings in particular that kind of stood out from that show um ball drop was one of the paintings, but it was a painting in in um in like a, a an amusement park or a play center. And I was played, that particular painting had a really kind of high keyed ground, it was kind of a lime color. And I took from that painting kind of, that was the, a point of departure for a couple of years. So uh, again, a lot of the work that I made for the, the complex, I was playing around with the ground, some of them kind of like a really kind of dense black and then others were uh, kind of like a, a fluorescent uh, pink. Um, so I was kind of interested in the idea of kind of, these can kind of bounce off each other. Um, and it's also like a little bit like I guess the way I describe it is like a bit of like sparring. So that's a good. I find that's a good um, background to kind of work over, because um, usually it's like I'd never sit down and make a, a painting just in in one complete kind of sitting. It usually happens over a couple of weeks. I might have like say you know five or six paintings on the go at the one time. So, um, and usually the the way I work is. I'll work on that one painting, but from you know the corner of my eye, I kind of figure out what might happen in another painting. So it's kind of it's back. It's very much kind of back and forth. Um, but in regards to color, yeah, that 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 kind of kind of really kind of acidic ground I felt was was important for those works, just to kind of to focus on a, on a particular mood that. Um, I felt could work, but also in the space in the complex, which is quite, you know, a kind of a, a dark, moody space. Um, and yeah, the, how I hope to kind of play around a little bit more with those kind of fluorescent colors. I was working in a kind of a high keyed pink fluorescent color um, for a lot of the works in that show. So I'm going to continue with that this year with just um, more kind of high keyed colors. Yeah. Um just on your uh, website, John, as well, like you just mentioned, uh, like the notion of chance in the work. So, would you have an idea of the finished piece in your mind before you you went ahead, like say, or what you're kind of aiming for, or would you just let the painting kind of evolve and grow as it's going? Yeah, well, so it's weird because sometimes an image can kind of come in, into your head, and um, you know, I'd have fifty percent of an image maybe, or you know, I'd know where fifty percent of that that painting is is going to go, and then after that, it's it's up to chance. Really, it could take a couple of weeks, or maybe a year, or you know, in some cases even longer. 
But I think the element of chance is important. Um, and it's a case of kind of, you know, to try and figure out where where it's going to go. You don't always know where where the paint is going to lead you. And sometimes it can be finished quickly, which is often not the case for me because I'm, I'm quite not actually a slow painter as such, but it's just that the amount of time I spend on the canvas compared to the, my, the amount of time I, I spend trying to kind of figure it out is um, they're two kind of different things. That, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a slow process. It doesn't, it doesn't happen very quickly. No, like paint is kind of a slow medium anyway, and printmaking, I suppose, as well. Like, Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, tr- the tricky thing was trying to find between the two. Like, I had worked in etching for a long time, and I kind of, I got slightly frustrated with etching because it's just so slow. And you're you're definitely going to make a mark there that, that you know, that, that's a definite mark. And when it prints out, that that's your image. So I... Um, that's why in the past um, year or two I've tried to kind of explore monoprint a little bit more because it's a little bit closer to painting and um, I found with monoprint it's it's very much it can feed into the paintings or or the other way around but it's so direct and it's so quick whereas you know the paintings are much slower process um, but it does help in in relation to even composition um, or you know It'll, I find that with the monotype, it, it, it does help me kind of figure out what sometimes I need to do in the painting. You know, it could be just color, it could be just shape, form, um, and then some it could be content as well. Um, how I'd work a figure, for example. But um, yeah, they're 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 similar, but they're 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 so different as well. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to actually ask you there as well. Um, I kind of covered it, like if if you'd have a preferred method of printmaking. Yeah, I mean, I it's weird because I it's been quite a while since I've actually made um, etchings, but now I have the kind of I feel the need to kind of to to make those etchings again. Um, it's just uh, the process. I guess it's it's kind of loaded with history as well. It's um, every time you kind of use the press, there's so much kind of history behind it, and that's kind of that's what appeals to me. Um, I it's hard to say which one I, I would I have a preference for because there's t- t- all of them are so different. I mean, I make, I make woodcuts as well, and again, that that that's uh, uh, you know a different process, but again, loaded with history. Um, but I think monotype is where I'm kind of at at the moment, and um, I may kind of combine the monotype with with etching as well over time. Uh, but I I think monotype is closer to the paintings and it's it's closer where I want to be. Um, so I mean, a lot of the work I made for the complex was quite small. It was like A4 size. So now I just want to kind of play around with that on the press, like scale it up and and see what happens when when I scale it up, um, which is a challenge in itself. You know, when you're playing with less small scale and you know even with painting, like I can, a lot of people might struggle with say. If, making large paintings I'm kind of the opposite I can I'm more comfortable on on a big scale um compared to you know small work I find it's it's a bit it's tricky you know it's a little bit cumbersome yeah there's been times where I thought like um when you're making a small painting it feels like grand hot butter like this is tiny I'll get it done in no time and you're using such small brushes and marks that like it just takes forever to do like so yeah that's it. Like, I mean, I, I'm just used to, I used a bigger brush. And then, I mean, I just struggle with that, 
you know smaller brush and, and the smaller space you know it's a bit like you know the I'm completely blown away when I see some of the Dutch masters that are just, just tiny, but yet there's so much packed into them. And um, I'd love to be able to do that, but unfortunately, that's that's not my thing. I I I, I can't paint like that. It's um it's it's tricky. I think it's um it's uh I I know you you kind of your paintings are quite some of them are quite smaller to there, and then there's that detail. Yeah, there, there was uh, there was a few of them where. I think they went right down to something like maybe six by eight centimeters or something like we're tiny. I'm not working as small as that anymore, but uh, yeah, no, on the masters, there was a couple of them that were tiny little things like, but um, yeah, it was just kind of, I think it was to do with just commuting as well. It was just handier, you know, to when I'd make the frames here at home, like just to be able to take them up on the bus, like, you know, in the, the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, a lot of it is, yeah, I find that as well, kind of, a lot of it's determined by practical things as well, you know, my own studio, like I've got, um, it's a reasonably big space, like I can paint by two my, two meter by three meter, but um, that that's as far as I, could, I can go, like I'd, I'd like to paint bigger, but it's really determined by the space I work in, you know, as well, kind of, so generally kind of a lot of the work is kind of mid-scale, you know, medium to mid-scale work. Yeah. Um. Just you mentioned the exhibition in the complex, uh, John. Like the, the images online, that exhibition looked great. That was August last year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was in August last year, and I had planned it for earlier, or so it was July and August. And then um, because of lockdown, it got, it got moved. Um, but uh, I had in my head, like I had seen the space prior to that. There was a couple of the guys there, um, had a couple of shows prior to that, so. You could kind of get, I kind of got a sense of how I wanted the work to be. Like, I mean, from the start, I knew that the back, that back wall, that I wanted to monotypes on that back wall and possibly to pay, play around with, with color on the wall, like as a color block. But I hadn't um, totally figured out how the rest of the work was, was in the space. So, like, I mean, it was about two years of work made for it. And it was just a question of, you know, I brought a lot of work into the space and just kind of, pairing it back and editing the the work back um down to the, the work that was there so um yeah it was it was just kind of again playing with scale with some bigger pieces and um you know for them to have a conversation with each other and just to see i was interested in the idea of the the monotypes being kind of foregrounded so i I presented a lot of those on on um, tables or on like a table block and also on the wall so it was kind of a conversation that I was interested in having like between the the monotypes and and the paintings so some of the content that was in the the monotypes kind of echoed the some of the content that was was in the paintings and that was kind of an ongoing thing because I worked in blocks when I was made the monotypes. Uh, I made it over a series of weeks. I'd go back to painting, then back to monotypes. So it was kind of back and forth. So I kind of one played around with that idea of that conversation with with um, on the floor, but also how what would happen between the the monotypes and and, and the work on the wall. Yeah, and like, what was it like working in the space? Like, was there any challenges? Because it wasn't really a white cube space or wasn't it because a lot of like raw brickwork and stone showing through in places yeah exactly um i know like mark and paul had said to me beforehand that um 
uh, it will be it's, it, a lot of it's determined by the wall, the actual walls, because the back wall is a partition wall, and then there's like there's there's brick wall which is quite crumbly, and then there was like really solid, um, solid walls which were quite difficult to hang on, and there's certain parts where you could you couldn't hang a say dead center, so that kind of influenced the way a lot the way the, the work was hung, um. Like for example, some work was down low, other work was high. But it was kind of, it was interesting to play around with that as well because the, the monotypes were hung in, in a similar kind of way. But um, and then there was there's certain, I guess, architectural features that determine how you how you'll hang because there's like pillars and there's, um, for example, there was a doorway where it's all kind of bricked up, and these are some kind of things that you have to consider. But um, I liked the idea of maybe slightly ignoring um, those kind of things that um, would tell you where to hang. And for example, there was one big piece um, on the back wall. Um, I forget the title of it now, but um, that work was beside a a mass painting and I just kind of hung that over a door. So, you know, for me it worked, but it was slightly, it was kind of like this thing kind of slightly off, uh, kind of an off hang that, that, uh, and it's, it seemed to work with the work, um, but also with the the content of the paintings. Yeah, because like there's always that kind of sort of, or I don't know, when you're going to college, there's almost this kind of sort of standard like kind of height that you're supposed to hang at. Like, so it can be can be kind of fun to have to play around with that. I suppose like and kind of go against it a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, the, some of the paintings were quite big, and it was kind of I'm very much interested in this kind of bodily thing, you know that. Uh, is kind of like a physical thing so the, i mean they're over you know they're but some of them are like two meters tall so i could hang those quite low and because i felt there were kind of figurative works it was um it was hung in a way that you could kind of enter into it and um you know that that was kind of the intention with that a number of pieces like that so that they're, they're hung down low as well I, I i had placed some on 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 blocks as well but um it's weird because that's um you kind of always kind of once maybe not one step ahead, but there's certain things in the show that I want to kind of prepare for my next show, and they're kind of like little leads that kind of take you there. So um, I think that's something that I kind of want to focus on a little bit more. It's just to, I guess, compositionally that the figures were there's some pieces in there are quite kind of dominant with the figure. So um, I think that's that's possibly where I may go next. Yeah, like I was just going to say to you uh, there, John, as well, like did the space play a part in the work that was created for the complex? Because like you said there yourself, you had, there was one of the paintings that was fairly large scale and it was on supports that were on the ground. Like, was that kind of something you'd planned to do or did that come about because of the space itself? Um, I think it was probably the space. I mean, like I said, I, I had in my head that um a lot of the work on the back wall the, the monotypes are or on the back wall and then some of the monotypes on the floor but as regards everything else it kind of just that just kind of panned out on the day that um it was just a conversation that i felt between all the works that that was uh that was strong you know i i edited back about you know a, i'd say about 40% of the the paintings that i brought with me so the so there was some kind of 
a continuity or some kind of relationship between each piece, you know, that kind of like bounce off each other a little bit. Um, there was two pieces in particular that I made just before the show. And um, one was called Through the Briars. So it was just these kind of figures kind of entering into this space and the, on the opposite wall was um, shopping list. was, And that was kind of very much kind of, I had made these paintings like with, with shop fronts at the time over since my show in Palace. And that painting kind of came about, I guess, kind of, it was kind of, serendipitous that uh, a lot of the stuff that was happening at the time last year was um you know everything was closed down bar shopping centers or, or bar supermarkets and that kind of fed into that um that piece so it was just more um i wanted to pick up on some of that kind of i guess the kind of the mood at the time and um they're probably the two of the most kind of recent works that i've made that I've shown but there was kind of a conversation I think bounced between those two paintings those kind of big kind of more dominant paintings on either side with the, the monotypes in the center yeah no I like I was just gonna say it looked like an absolutely brilliant show like I remember uh I think I saw it I think you sent on an invite to it there actually when it was up but um no just just from what I saw like online it it looked really good and it worked so well in the space as well like the complex looks like a really good venue yeah it's it's a fantastic venue and i i don't know whether i mean those works if i had have installed them elsewhere that i you know they may not have worked as well but um i think it lends itself to kind of maybe you know kind of darker kind of moodier work and uh, particularly with the with the the lighting um i know vanessa the director there is um kind of uh, got a lot of kind of theatrical lighting installed there so that that did help a lot and the fact that it's kind of a, a dark space and then it's kind of spotlit in parts um which i found kind of really really kind of helped my work um the, the lighting aspect of it because um, we just lit it from kind of one half down and then there was spots on that half and then it was kind of broader lighting then on the other half which was where the monotypes were so um it just kind of lended itself very well to to um the space as well yeah and like it's just like you know like, like we said there earlier like like as painters you don't get the chance to show outside of white cube space all that often so kind of when, it, when the opportunity presents itself like it can be a nice change like and it kind of really helps you see the work in a new light as well yeah i mean <laughs> i'm very interested in history and particularly architectural history that's kind of crept into my work over the past while or it's been, maybe it's always been there like particularly with the the monotypes the early mon- monotypes that i made were based on like um, you know temporary spaces like say lighthouses and things like that but um uh i think you know you take it out of the white cube space and it for me, it's it's more interesting because you've got that kind of the, the kind of rawness of the wall, and you know, um, like you say, it's kind of unpredictable. You don't know whether it's going to work there or not, or is it uneven, or and it's kind of really dictated how your handwork is dictated by the by the the space itself. But um, yeah, I, I I'd be all in favor of you know take it out of white cube, take it out of the white cube space, and 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 just see how it works. Um, 
and possibly, you know, my next show I might do something similar, maybe. Yeah. Like, um, there back a few episodes ago, I was chatting to Aidan Byrne, like he's an awfully based artist, and we were just chatting about the Borer Arts Festival, and the I think I was in it maybe one or two years in the one of the group shows under the Maltings, um, and the group shows in there are all shown down in the like the tunnels under the building where I think they would have stored barrels and all that. But like it's just it's on kind of just whitewashed stone wall, but it's just even it's so like it's got these vaulted ceilings, so it's all fairly low and it's just such it's just nice to kind of work in a space like that just for a change rather than this perfectly pristine wall. Yeah, I mean that sounds fantastic. Like the the idea of the like these vaulted ceilings as well. Like it's not that it's it's not that straight kind of white like white cube. It's got like curves and it's kind of irregular. And um I think th- those kind of spaces lend them lend them you know lends itself to certain work that is kind of it's got layers and history and um particularly with um that's what i'm interested in is kind of this layering um even within the painting that has its own history that you can see you know over a period of time what happened in it but um that's that where is that pat that's in in... it's in uh bar uh it's under the maltings there um just in in Borough Town, yeah, and uh, like I think is there maybe five? There's either five or six tunnels, I think, in it. So like, like you'd be shown like the, usually the way they used to do it anyway was you'd show alongside four or five other artists, like, and there's only kind of I think I think there's sort of glass or perspex doors kind of up at one end, so that's kind of the light I think there's lights further down but like to be artificial light so there's only daylight coming in from one end but like even at that the the light down say at the opposite end is quite nice because it's so soft and it again it, it kind of just adds to sort of the space itself mm. yeah I mean um just the idea of of, of, the, of the vault sounds incredible like this I know Burr has a a lot of um a lot of history as well, I'd imagine, isn't it? I mean, as a as a settlement, that um, yeah, architectural history. Yeah, like, and I think um, uh, is it an observatory there as well? I think that's that's right. Yeah, that's that's really. Um, I've never seen that, but I'd actually be really interested to see that. Was that restored recently? I think in the past couple of years. I think so. Like it, it's about maybe forty minutes from me here, and I ju- I don't actually know that much about the town, but other than just to stop by during the arts festival and that, like it's a it's a gorgeous town, like and there's always a really nice energy about it for the arts festival, like. But um, yeah, no, it, I think it has a fair bit of history as well, yeah. though. Like cause you have Bor Castle as well, so. But um, I think that their last summer they put on uh. A digital exhibition just because of lockdown like you know and look great like you know but it would it's uh hopefully the the physical festival will come back as well so i was just gonna uh ch- ask you about like say your curatorial experience as well john like you've curated a few shows like you curated um behind the margin there a few years ago in enniscorty and you curated sift was about it was in the first lockdown wasn't it that sift was on yeah the the um the i had i guess what happened with that was that i had 
I had curated that project in 2015, and um, at that time, the, the 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 I guess the the concept for that was that we had I had seen this space. It's um, an old kind of a Victorian building. It would have been originally kind of a, like a parish building, like it was used as a dance hall mostly um, in the late 19th century. So we kind of I guess the, the curatorial team was to look at you know kind of that layered history and and look at that as like as a, a as a physical space like as a social space and at that time um it was kind of like a multi-strand event where we'd we had uh, written written works in response to the space and also kind of performative as well so um and obviously then with the painting as well so it was kind of this kind of a, a number of different strands to it but um I came back to it in 2000 and um, sorry, last year, 2020, just after lockdown, we just, that's when we came out of lockdown, when I finished my show. And I had <laughs> wanted to do this project for a long time and just to kind of revisit it. And um, it was really just came about, about the idea of, you know, the 5K and that we can't travel beyond the 5K. So this was within my kind of jurisdiction that I could visit there and and it really it was kind of i guess the the idea that we're kind of all in this is kind of a collective sense that we're in it together and i found it kind of peculiar as well that uh this idea that we're all kind of having to social distance we're all having to whatever you know wear masks and this was kind of a universal thing this was happening everywhere so it was kind of a, a shared experience but I wanted to kind of look at the idea of Instagram, mostly through that kind of lens of Instagram and uh, invite some artists, you know, international artists into it. And um, also then, you know, some Irish artists as well. So the, uh, really the, the artists were selected from pretty much all over. There was um, Paige Turner was in, um, in the United States, um, in Los Angeles, and Christoph uh, Matthews in the, from from Berlin based painter and um, Chris Orr is a, a London based painter and then from Dublin Gemma Brown and uh, Richard Prophet so and again that was in a in a similar way that we kind of there's kind of I guess there's kind of layered histories as well in a lot of those artists in their work um, uh, so it was kind of it was kind of fitting as well I was trying to kind of fit that work into the space and into uh, Wilton Castle, which is just outside Enniscorty, it's about you know five kilometers outside Enniscorty. So the the castle itself was um, it was uh, burnt or was kind of reduced to ruins during the the, the War of Independence, and um, uh, since then it's been restored by a farmer who lives on site, like pretty much next door to it. So he's um, um, and he grew up actually. The farmer Sean Windsor grew up in the in the small kind of courtyard, and there's a house there, uh, like a, a servant's house that's based in uh, in the in the courtyard. And um, he's restored that over the past, I think, about sixteen years, sixteen or seventeen years. And um, so there's one half of it that's restored, and the other half of it, which is still in ruin. So it was kind of it was nice to 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 play around with that idea, kind of it's kind of in development and um because you can still get to see all those kind of layers of history in it and 
in particular, what kind of struck me was there's beams, uh, there's these old beams that were still kind of preserved because they were burnt and they're, you know, kind of charred. It, um, I had the impression of that, you know, it could have just happened like last month. But um, it was just interesting to still see those those beams there. And um, I know Richard wanted, he was kind of in favour of using those in in one of his pieces. So he kind of has a lot of kind of charred wood in it, but it seemed to fit really well with one of his dream catchers. So it was a case of just trying to find, there's lots of interesting space. It was such a kind of big site. It was lots of interesting places to hang work because um, there was an old, it was built on an old uh, Norman site and the house itself was built, I think probably about 15th century, 16th century. And then around that, the Daniel Robertson designed the kind of the current structure in the mid early to, to mid 19th century. But um, yeah, it was a, that was a challenge. It was because it was outdoors. It was a little bit of a challenge to yeah. kind of to install it because um, you know we had to get the conditions right. The weather conditions had to be right, you know, spot on for the for the day, which kind of worked out quite well, you know, the in terms of light and you know making sure work is, is stable when you hang it. Yeah, that was actually something I wanted to ask you, John. All right, it was like what I was going to ask you what the duration of the show was because like it just like you said, like the stuff the work was exposed to the elements, so I I didn't know was it up for a day and then like like you said like like trying to predict Irish weather as well is a challenge in itself yeah that was um just all kind of things had to slot into it was a challenge a challenging project in, in that respect it was these things all had to slot into space I had to have a, you know the work within a certain time and then I had to kind of um there was the weather and then you know obviously the the photographer was in you know, Frank uh, took the photos for the work. So it was just, um, particularly the wind, there was one space there. It's like the, the the old part of the house and it can be quite breezy there. So it was just a question of hang the work, place to work, hang it, document it, and then take it back down. So um, that, uh, yeah, that, that was a challenge. But again, it was just hung for the day. And then what we did was we just set up a, a viewing room inside the house for anybody that wished to kind of see the work or, you know, for anybody wants to to buy work but um it was just over it took place over t- a two week period um on instagram and that was the kind of the main platform for it and then obviously on the kind of on, on the back end of my own site i had um the work selected or a number of pieces on on the site as well but it was mostly true through instagram we kind of presented the work and then obviously on the the artist account as well they they would have shown work on that as well yeah yeah like it it looked brilliant like it, it looks so good like and the venue as well like the location was great like it's got such an energy the actual the place itself that um for example the the the, the Bora river runs down in it and it kind of comes down in a u shape but um it has this little dock as well and um i was just having from a conversation with sean he explained about how um you know described these kind of pleasure boats that kind of that um to, to go up and down the borough but um, there was a man-made island as well just next to it kind of the, the carved out this kind of part in the river so the river would run around it and uh, created this island but there was kind of like these two small bridges that that cross over into it but um the the site itself is it's it's a kind of kind of a kind of very kind of rich history and a really interesting history and uh, apparently one of the the last jewels 
um, to take place in, in Ireland took, took place on, on that site. There was so there was kind of a, a, a showdown between these kind of two local politicians that took place there. So it's kind of um, kind of very much kind of rich in history. Um, that's uh, that's um, I know I didn't actually realize that about it. Like even I I didn't know anything about the place. Like so it sounds really interesting. Like. Um, like I'd say, you could probably nearly create like a, a body of work based on the area, almost like. Yeah, there's there's lots of things. I think you know that, that's what I find with my my own practices. There's, I mean, the sources for my own work come from. There's, I, I guess, the same with yourself. There's lots of little bits and pieces of of things that kind of that you pick up, and whether it's through film or say it could be music or say even like um, I find with architectural history is 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 great, but um. Uh, there is little things there that I think for my own practice that I can take maybe in in the next couple of months or the next year, I think they may feed into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say as well, in regards to the to uh, the venue, like it was a pretty big undertaking to, you know, like you said, um, that man worked on it for 15 or 16 years, renovating it. Like that was... Yeah, it is. I mean, it's... um. I'm huge admiration for the, the the actual amount of work that that he did on it because the the one end of the the actual the castle is uh, you can see if you're stood in the t- in, in the tower you can see right up into it and again like the, the you can see all the, the the different construction techniques that would have been from one generation say into the, into the next when Daniel Robertson designed it and you can see for example the the house the old house that um that was built and you can see the the window, the framing of the window, how they took it out. There's one part on it. It's like a, a granite um, window frame, and they took that whole thing out and placed it in the servants' quarters in the house down below. But he explains that um, usually when a lot of uh, you know from the Georgian society come out and they're actually more interested in some cases in this this door frame. But um, yeah, there's it's. Um, there's lots of little pockets in in the place where, and it was particularly interesting to to hang work in 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 those kind of maybe the parts that's not restored. There's you can really get to see the kind of different layers of construction in it, and um, also the beams. There were some of those beams that were still there. You could still see that they were charred. You know, the 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 charred in I think it was 1923 during the. Um, the war of independence yeah you know it, it, even just like from the images on instagram it looked great so it did um i don't know there's just like re- real character about the place yeah that's what i want to kind of um take some of those things like um what I, where i'm at now is um i've got a number of works that like i've made in response to um kind of art- architectural spaces and um, particularly there's one piece that uh, I've worked on at the moment and I guess it's it's from childhood as well. It's just this uh, this wall that um, I was forever kind of fascinated by this this as a child. You know, you could see this this wall. It was on a quayside and um, just like what happens beyond the wall, um, what kind of activity kind of whether it's industrial or whatever, what what goes on behind. There was a long wall which was with two doors either end. You know, and um, it's just again, it's these motifs. I guess that you know, there's barriers that often kind of crop up in my own work, 
and it, it could be say for example a mesh it could be say a window frame it could be and it, it's um kind of a perceptual thing i think that 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 crops up but again it's those it's kind of that kind of layering that that i'm interested in yeah um i was going to just ask you john uh when it came to install and sift um how did that work with the the ruins like were you okay to tap in nails into the wall or were you, was there yeah ways of hanging kind of up <laughs> that, that, uh, <laughs> that was tricky um because um you couldn't just like i had to i've tried many n- nails like again the i mean the, the the type of render that they used was uh was like a lime render like i know there's lots of lime there but it's, it was a crumbly, it was kind of completely different than, I guess, than, than what we'd use, like a building materials we'd use today. But you had to use a particular type of, of nail that would kind of, that I could drive that nail in and that it was stable, you know, that I could hold hold the work. But um, again, each space was different because there was um, a chamber, like it was underground chamber that, as well, that was just um, it was like a serve that ran down into the actual courtyard, into the farmyard. And that had a different surface as well because that was quite a damp um, spot. And within that, then there was kind of little, small little chambers there. That's where uh, Richard's work was hung. But um, the again, I had to change a certain type of like a masonry nail from to, to maybe to a standard nail. So it was, good. It was tr- tricky, but you know, um, we kind of got around it. And uh, again, Sean. He's familiar, so familiar with the walls that he was kind of he could kind of direct me on that because a lot of the restoration work he did, he you know, um, you know, he knew what materials to to use on it. You know, I didn't want to drive anything like I didn't want to use the standard. I couldn't use a drill, for example. I couldn't didn't want to. It wouldn't have been safe to kind of drill into the wall, like say with a masonry bit, or so. It was just a question of using you know a particular kind of masonry nail that or couple of different type of masonry nails that i could drive it in so um and uh, again you're just mindful of, of of the building itself you know just to just to be really careful yeah i like you'd imagine like a, you'd imagine like a drill as well would do a right job on those walls yeah i was just a bit dubious about whether i could could drill straight into into the surface of it you know so um the the, the safest way to do it was that that, that you know that wasn't going to cause any structural problems was was to just drive the you know masonry nailing but um yeah these things are always a challenge on the day when you <laughs> when you're kind of faced with it yeah like it just it was the reason i thought of it was just because i remember when we were in uh, gmit and in second year we had to do work experience with an artist um or that's i think the way they used to do it but when we started we got to go and give a hand installing the tulk exhibition and i remember i went out for uh, with one of the artists one day for to help them install an Athenry Castle. Um, I can't remember her name. No, she's a Cork based artist, but like there was a lot of like freestanding sort of MDF um, yeah setups because they couldn't put you know they couldn't go hammer nails into the walls of Athenry Castle. But I was just I was just wondering what way you managed because like in the images the work is directly on the wall with sift. So yeah, was, like. It was mostly, to be honest, it was, it was the paperwork where there was a problem because um, the, the, they just weren't going to, like with Gemma Brown's work now, the work's on paper. I couldn't hang those on, on the actual, on the on the walls. 
So I had to find a space outside. And also it was difficult. It was quite difficult to, to document those, those works as well in works on paper. But um, no, he was, the Sean was really accommodating. Like he was familiar with the walls. So he, he knew where to kind of, where I could actually um, hang certain work that wasn't going to compromise, you know, the, the, the stonework. So, um, and he did kind of, I guess, specify that I could only kind of drive the nail in through the render, not the actual, the bricks themselves. So it was, um, again, that was, so it wouldn't compromise the, the, the brickwork. Yeah. You guys, it sounds like it was actually, it was challenging enough. Uh, yeah. It, it, it insulated. Was, yeah. It, it was about a day to, like, I, I placed the work, hung it. And obviously, I had to take it down, and then I had to rehang it. So on the day when when it came to documenting it with Frank, but um, it was more the the wind was the more, probably the the more challenging thing, particularly with the paperwork's and um, so one particular space in it because there was kind of like a draft through it. So it was just again, it was just a case of hang the work or hang one wall and then take it down and then shoot or sorry, hang it, shoot it and then take it down. So that kind of went on through throughout the whole kind of process of do- documenting it. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, no, but... It... No, sorry, go on. It was just... Um, also, it was like on the day, like, you know you know yourself, you, you, you hang work and you have a kind of image in your head and just kind of lines of, of when you're documenting it, you know, between, say, you know, how work on a back wall, kind of how that works with a piece that's maybe a little bit closer you know that that kind of distance between them so it was kind of just to play around with that a little bit on the on the day as well for example with Richards there was on the in the outside it was through this beautiful kind of granite window so it was it, it was something about that piece that was placed there that to, to, to be shot from the outside it was just framed really lo- lovely and but was also taking in some of the architectural detail like say the the um the kind of medieval windows in the in the background yeah, yeah, no, like I was just going to say there, like it did look great though, like just I know like all the challenges and all that side, it just, it looks really good, like the shots I saw online, so, and like just in terms say of shows and that, like you were just saying like how we were just chatting there, how, you know, exhibitions have all kind of sort of gone by the wayside a little bit now, or at least, you know, been able to get people into them, like has the studio practice been impacted by lockdown, John, or? Um, not, not really, I mean. I, I work as a facilitator as well. So, I mean, a lot of my work would be, for example, I'd be out, you know, maybe two days a week in a different setting. Like, for example, I work with the HSC as a facilitator and I could be in, you know, the the only thing that would have impacted me is schools. I, I, I'd do some, some projects with schools. Um, so I did, you know, at the time last year, I was working on two educational projects. One was with... Um, One's called um, Living Art Project Asset Wexford County Council. And that's a residency program in a school. I was in Gory Educate together. So that didn't happen. There was a huge body of work that that was made there. That that, that never that never happened. The exhibition didn't go ahead. And then also I work on an arts ability program with um, Wexford County Council as well and the HSC. And uh, that was kind of tricky because a lot of the stuff went online like remotely. And, you know, you had to kind of reach these people, try to be creative and how you want to reach these people. So um, 
that was tricky. And then, you know, I, I had to, in September, then I, I worked with the, worked back on that again in September on a kind of reduced capacity with a lot of participants on that. But as regards to studio practice, that's, it's still the same. I mean, I kind of, my working day is, I, you know, walking is a big kind of, I feel it's an important part of my practice. You know, I'd get up really early, um, usually about seven, and I'd walk for maybe an hour before I'd uh, work in the studio. And it's just a good way, I find it's a good way to kind of solidify or, you know, work things out. Say if a painting's not, you don't know where to go next on a painting. Sometimes when you're on a walk, it kind of figures itself out. Um, And usually I'd spend probably about, two hours i never spend like say nine to five i wouldn't work like that but i could spend two hours maybe on a piece take a break you know um then back out in the afternoon maybe for another two hours and then whatever you know kids arrive home and then you know obviously dinner time and then back out again maybe in the evening time for an hour or two as well so it's kind of broken up like that you know the studio uh a lot of the time it's not necessarily you know you know yourself you know that you're not painting like consistently i could be reading or could be you know browsing the internet or you know the usual kind of instagram stuff or whatever yeah like and like i mean like painting requires a fair bit of concentration too so i mean like you know you wouldn't be able to concentrate for eight or nine hours solid like so you would need those breaks like because you like i i do find like i'd be wrecked tired me i used to be really tired after a day's painting like anyway so yeah like i mean i i found that um it's it's nearly as important to know when to stop because um like you say you're on your feet all day and i used to have a habit where i'd usually only work in the evening time you know or i could come out and work for maybe three or four hours up until about 11 and then you know i find i work better when i'm kind of rested or i have the energy for it and uh, i think it's it shows in the work sometimes, you know, that, you know, you've had good days where you're more energetic and, um, and I think that comes across in it, you know, um, but they're usually, yeah, definitely. they're usually just little blocks, little, I find in a painting, you can, <clears throat> it's weird when you look at a painting, sometimes you can see the kind of little pockets of really stuff that works. And it's usually those days where you're, you're a little bit more energetic or you can give it a hundred percent, you know, and, uh, yeah. No, sorry, I was just going to say, just when you were saying that, I, I read an essay, I can't remember who it's by, I'll look it up, like, and I'll throw it in the ACAST description, like, but I think we're talking about maybe uh, one of Shaw's paintings as a as a reference, and we're just saying that, like, like all painting is like a work of fiction, but you can always kind of see what kind of energy or what kind of form the artist was in when they were working on it, like, whether they were in... It, you know whether they're really enjoying it or whether they just want to just get it done kind of thing like you know i thought it was and it's fairly true like yeah i mean <clears throat> just you know yourself there's some days where it works and i mean i like the idea in a painting where you can see that little traces of that like um i won't i'll, I'll rub it out but you never fully kind of rub it out or say scrape it back i mine anyway the maybe not true for everybody but sometimes i'd leave that in it or just an energy in it as well i mean um because of the kind of i guess the way i paint it's kind of it's it's layered but um i think the worst is you know 
I think that's why it's important to have, like, I'd like to have, you know, three or four pieces on the go at the one time, because usually when you've got to a point where I, I wouldn't say it's stuck, but, you know, you've done what you need to do or it's, you know, the painting is done as, as much as it's go, it's going to do. So it's just a question of, you know, stepping back and, you know, put leave it to one side for a while and then work on another piece. And then I usually find when I do that, a kind of something happens where it kind of clicks into place on the other piece. You know, you kind of, you watch it from the corner of your eye and, you know, that, um, I mean, I had one piece there for, the complex and I had made it about two years ago and I came back to it just um shortly before the show and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it but then just one day just I took it back out and worked on it for about two hours but then it was and I did quite a lot of work on it in that space of time but it was it was it was done at that point but um this is usually how it happens yeah had you any shows or residencies cancelled or postponed then during due to lockdown? Uh, it was just to, my own show, The Complex, that was pushed forward. But it, to be honest, I mean, that kind of worked in my favour in some respects because people hadn't been out to see any show, any art in months. And it was literally about two weeks after to, to just kind of started to open things back up again. So there was kind of a, I guess people wanted to see um see art and, and visit work and um, visit spaces so um and i think um there was nothing else i mean there's there isn't anything else that was cancelled it was just that show there were the two main things that i worked on last year was the um was my own show and then the curated show but um at the moment i, I don't have anything definite kind of planned this year i've kind of vaguely got something planned but um and again, it's there's some flexibility in it that I can can move it about a little bit, which is great if you can do that, you know. Um, but apart from that, my own stuff didn't that didn't didn't affect it too much. But like I say, with the other projects, did you know the other facilitating stuff? Yeah, that 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 was one or two got cancelled on that. Yeah, like I know, I know like there's nothing to be done about it, but like hopefully. Things will get back on track now soon, like, and the exhibitions can get back up and running. Like, just even, you know, it'd be nice just to be able to get out and meet people in the gallery. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, um, I mean, I, I love, I, to be, to be honest, I love the studio and I love kind of the solitary thing of, 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 particularly it's painting, you know, that's the thing I, I, I really like about it. But at the same time, I do like to get the, the buzz of a, of a, an exhibition or, you know, a buzz of an opening, or to get out and to actually physically see the work. Because, I mean, you know yourself when you when you see a piece in, a, say, in a book, or say, a, a, let it be, say, a, a monk painting, or let it be a Bonnard or whatever. When you see that in print, and then you actually see that in real life, there's there's no comparison. You know, there's there's so much that goes on there that gets lost in in the print. You know, so yeah, I, I like like it's usually fairly. Like even no matter how good quality the print is, like even when you see it in real life, the colours are fairly different as well. Like there's always a bit of a difference there between them. That way, even yeah, I I remember I saw um, I saw a monk painting and like I'd said, you know, I I'd want to see this painting for years, and I saw it in Copenhagen in about 2011. But I could not believe when I actually saw it for real. The colour difference was just it was just kind of 
it was just so powerful. It was just kind of radiating, pulsating with this color. And you can't, you couldn't see that in print. You know, obviously the composition is strong and that kind of draws you in. But when I actually saw it, it was just unreal just to see that, you know, the, the energy. And again, you know, that that's, that's I think that's where it's at, you know, to get out into spaces and, and to actually physically see them, you know. And there's a lot of people who say like that, the online thing that, this is the way it's going to be going forward, but uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd be a bit dubious about that. I don't, I'm not so sure. Yeah, like I mean, any of them I've seen, they've looked good. Like, but Christ, I hope it's not like that going <laughs> forward. Like, you know, because like, oh God, like you know, you have to see the work. Like, you know, in real life, like to kind of really, I think, appreciate it, like or experience it, like because, like, I mean, um. Yeah, I don't like even just there before we started recording. Like, I was just saying to you, like when I was chatting to Jules last week, like and she was saying she saw Fiona Ray's. Like I've never seen Fiona Ray's work in real life, and I love, I love it just from what I've seen in books and online. But like, I'd love to see it in real life just to see, you know, really see what it's like. Uh, so oh, yeah, I don't. I did like the digital exhibitions at the minute. They're fine. They're an outlet, but I hope it's not permanent fixture. Like you know, yeah, it's just like. It's weird as well because, like, for example, like, just to go back to Monk again, like, when you see that um, in print, you, you can't get any sense of, like, the, like, what type of medium did he use or, you know, and it's just when you see them, they're so dry, kind of, they, they look kind of dry. And, you know, I, you know, you may have an impression of them, he may have used, you know, 50%, whatever, linseed or whatever, you know. And then when you see it up close, it's completely different. You know, you don't, you're not going to get that. Yeah, like even just like the impact of the scale. Like, because I, I, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever seen any monks work in real life. Like, is it large scale, John, or is it? Well, one of these particular pa- this painting that I saw that was quite, it was a big enough piece, you know, it was about, I think about 130 by, by 100 or landscape. But, um, yeah, it's the scale thing that that kind of bothers me as well. Which, uh, even my my own, my own work, when you sometimes you put up a small piece and you have a big piece, and it, it's I hear some other artists as well. You know, conversations with other artists to say, "Oh well, I never knew that that was they look so small, or I thought they were so big." Or you don't get a sense of the scale at all. You know, no. Like I remember years and years ago, I saw some Dali work in Spain, and like. Do you know, like going from the books, I thought, oh, they're probably fairly big, like, and they're actually pretty small. Like, from what I remember, they might have been like maybe A3 size or smaller. And I, I kind of thought, like, these, do you know, they, they probably give the measurements in the book, but I'd forgotten or hadn't really paid too much <laughs> yeah. attention to, to that, you know, because like, even titles of work, I'm really bad at remembering. But, like, I just, I, I had in my head that these things were, do you know, got like that, maybe like four foot by three foot at least, like, or bigger, do you know, but were pretty small and I don't want to say felt a little bit disappointed <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know they didn't have the same impact that I, I think I was expecting like you know and that was my own fault probably for building it up in my head to be something more but you know you just you, you just can't compare the experience of seeing it in real life and seeing it in a book like you know yeah I mean like that's why you like um particularly with these the 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 curated project and maybe even with my own work that I think it's the to document work is 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 important you know to give it a sense of the space that it's in and 
you know, rather than this kind of like skewed kind of digital thing, but you get a sense of the scale in it. But um, as to give as close as possible to so a piece that you might actually see in reality or physically see it. Um, but um, hopefully it won't be too much longer before we, we're back out and in galleries yeah. again. <laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> Pessimistically hoping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so finally, John, I just have one last question for you before we go back and re-record the introduction. But um, Where can people find you online? Um, find me on Instagram is where I'm, I mostly use Instagram. Like, I mean, um, uh, I don't really use Twitter, um, bar for it's, I find it's handy for it to find out about open calls and things like that, but it's mostly, um, Instagram and you can also visit my website, johnbusher.ie. Um, and I'm on Facebook, but I don't, I, I don't really use Facebook. Just, uh, but mostly Instagram. Deadly. Well, I can, I'll throw in um, a link to your Instagram and to your website there on Acast. And I think on Spotify, I think it just, it just goes in as a description, but on Acast, I can put it in as a link. So it can, people can go directly on to um, your website and your Instagram. Great. Cheers. Thanks, Pat. Thanks a million, John, for that. So, and uh, I'll get you back on at some stage once we're back out exhibiting and, do you know, there's a bit of news and yeah, a bit more yeah. chat about and all that crack. So, yeah, thanks a million, John, for that. Cheers, Pat. Thanks a lot for the invite. Well, everyone, so that was John Busher. Uh, I just want to say thanks a million to, to John again for taking the time to chat with me on the podcast. And make sure and check out his website as well uh, to see images of that exhibition, Sift. Um, there's some really great shots on it. And, again, like with 2D work being involved, it was just it was a really cool exhibition to see like that the... 2D work kind of exposed to the elements and not just on like we're saying uh, perfect white wall uh, so thanks million to John again for the chat and I also hope it synced up okay when I was finished editing um, if you want to follow the podcast you can follow it on Twitter and Facebook at Bit of Gallery and yeah you can follow it on Spotify, Acast and Apple all that crack as well if if you enjoy it uh, thanks million for listening and I'll be back next week with another guest next week's guest because i have it recorded is uh jim donnelly uh carlo based painter so make sure to tune in for that and i will chat to you next week thanks <laughs>